fans! Ah, that's right. It's time for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling. That is right. You are tuned in and locked into 607 Podcast presents the wrestling show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. And of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here on 607TWS. I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich. And joining me as he does each and every week as my sidekick and my co-host, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Kenem. 607 Podcast fam, what's happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall That's we? That's right. Let's get excited. Let's get pumped. Let's scream it from the rooftops because it's another great week in pro grappling. And of course, this is the podcast that calls it right down the middle so we're here to give you that uh, unbiased opinion as we do each and every week facts and we do succeed at that mm-hmm. each and every week and as usual we have a we have a pretty big show today i wouldn't say it's the one of the more, more gigantic one it's not like a couple weeks ago when we had to cover the best wrestling weekend in a few decades right no, 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 but we still have a big one because to this this show in the main event, we're going to be breaking down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling, first of all. Uh, speaking of Dynamite and, Dynamite and Rampage, and of course, I was at Dynamite and Rampage this week, so we're going to talk about my experience there as well. On top of that, we're going to preview Grand Slam, which is coming up this upcoming Wednesday and Friday on Dynamite. Of course, remember, a special two-hour Rampage as well, so four hours. Yes. Also, uh, there's uh, some other news, including a Warner Brothers hiccup, Warner Discovery, I should say, hiccup, mm. that we're going to have to talk about. That's all going to be in the main event of the show. In the mid card, we're going to hit you with that indie roundup. We do have a bit of New Japan news to talk about, but after that, we will be uh, reviewing the week that was for GCW in Liverpool before previewing next week's GCW show in Los Angeles, California, and finishing out with a review of Wrestling Revolver this past weekend. This is a badass show. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we, we have to start with the opening bout. And in the opening bout, we're going to talk the week that was in world wrestling entertainment, including a recap of some of the things we liked and didn't like about Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, and then the Crown Jewel <laughs> announcements that we have heard already and uh, why that's, you know, it is what it is. We'll talk about it. And uh, then we're going to end the first opening bout with something that's not WWE really, technically. But it would be the PWI 500 list, which every year comes out and gives me a goddamn headache. We're going to talk about that in the first opening bout of this show. Sounds like a loaded show, does it not, Kanem? It definitely sounds loaded to me, so let's get to it. All right, before we can get you there, though, I need to let the fine folks at home know how to find yourself in the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media account. They're all right there in the front, so you can't miss them because they're right next to the Public links and the Patreon link as well. So one tier, $2 will get you in the building and definitely got some stuff on the way. Parlay Points blog, a new blog's kind of anywhere I'm working on right now, but there's a little hiccup going on right now. So unless that gets fixed, I can't say when that's dropping this week. So that's why you just need to follow the page and make sure you don't miss it when it comes out. And for anything else, that is the ODPH. It can be found at odphpodcast.com. And of course, the 3FN podcast is simple. Go to 3FNpodcast.com. All the social medias are there. All of the 
the links are there for the music guests, including Floodlands, who does the theme mm-hmm. song for 607TWS. Friends of the show, like the ODPH, is listed there as well. We have the Patreon link there, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast for as little as $1 a month. You can help support everything we do here and get a ton of extra bonus content. Also, we have a Public link as well. And there's some new swag finally up. Yes. I have a ECW-inspired 3FN pod shirt. There's something you might want to check out. And, of course, the new logo shirts are up as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and some more on the way. And then last but certainly not least, it's your one-stop shop for every other thing there. Sci-Fi Horror Fest list. their sponsors of the show, the local sponsors who help bring everything to you commercial-free, uh, especially the, the the people who power 607 Podcasts, I would say, and 3FN Podcasts as a whole. And that, of course, is Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. So, all those links and more, 3FNpodcast.com. Check it out. With that being said, Ken M., it's time to get this party started, and there's only one way we can do that. So, Ken, check your watch, because I believe it's time! That's right, it's time to kick off this edition of 607TWS, and we are talking the week that was in world wrestling entertainment first off. And let's start with Monday Night Raw. Once again, not a horrible Monday Night Raw. Not one of the better ones, I can be honest, that I didn't see the entire show because obviously we were recording during the show last week if, uh, because of work schedules, as you guys mm-hmm. know. But I did see enough of it. Uh, once again, my biggest takeaway from the show would be the main event. And in my opinion, that would be between uh, Dominic Mysterio and Edge, where I think they're doing some very good storytelling with the now... Uh, heel turned Dominic Mysterio yeah. and the muse in his ears that is Rhea Ripley and the Judgment Day. And I, I like where they went with it. I like the emotion. I'm still not sold completely on Dominic, but he does things sometimes that make me feel like, oh man, he's going in the right direction. And then he does things that make me feel like he's not going in the right direction. I think some of the touches in this match were great. Like when he was begging for 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 forgiveness, basically saying, no, Uncle Edge, no. Which I thought it was funny that he would call him Uncle Edge, but... At the same point, Juxture got the point across. Right. And, of course, bringing out Rey Mysterio at the end to continue the storyline going on with the beatdown, which led to the beatdown of both Rey and Edge, and, of course, the injury to Edge that we now know he had suffered Mm -hmm. at the hands of the Judgment Day because of Rey Mysterio. And we can speculate on where that's going here in a minute. How'd you feel about that whole storyline that finished up in main evented Monday Night Raw, Ken M.? Well, we have to remember with Triple H back at the helm, not everything is going to be a home run each and every week. And obviously, it's a vast improvement from the former regime's current run of shows. But that said, I I am there with you. Dominic Mysterio, I I feel personally that he'd be better off going to NXT for a while, really fine-tuning his craft a little bit more. This match was okay. I wasn't blown away by it. I thought the three amigos definitely didn't come across well as uh, Dominic was trying to do the spin for it. But I understand what they're doing for the storyline purpose, and Edge is such a pro that obviously makes up for a lot of ground with that. So it was all right. I'm interested to see where everybody's heading now, and that's pretty much it for it. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a good storyline to go to. I think that if this gives a big payoff, like the Bray Wyatt payoff I've said that they've needed for the whole time, if you are bringing back Bray Wyatt, I think the Judgment Day is the perfect place to start him with. Not in Judgment Day, but... Edge has to come back, and Rey Mysterio, either he joins Judgment Day or has to pay for his sins there from Edge. All of a sudden, Edge says, hey, listen, I need to get rid of these people, so I'm going to sell my soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. And the devil is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt comes back and helps him. Of course, the tie-in is the match we never got between Finn Balor 
and Bray Wyatt, yeah. the Fiend versus Sister Abigail back then. I don't think we need to do a wild gimmick like that. Maybe the Demon versus Bray, and then you know, if I, I've, I've said that I don't need the Fiend to come back, but there's a case where if you want to chain turn him into the Fiend at an end of a match as some kind of movie magic, if you will, have him go under the ring, put the mask on, come back up with the lights out, and boom, he's the Fiend. Yeah. And that's how he gets power to defeat somebody occasionally. I don't think that would be a bad idea, but I still think that would be a good way to bring back Bray Wyatt to make him important and also to take care of the Judgment Day. Uh, so if they go that route, I'd be all right with it. I do like that they're doing something with Dominic Mysterio. I really like Rhea Ripley in the storyline. But outside of that, I hope it just doesn't get too convoluted. No, I think that's one thing to kind of keep an eye on, too. But plus, with what happened with SmackDown, I know we'll get into it, there's a lot of speculation going on about Bray Wyatt maybe appearing there. Mm -hmm. So kind of have to wait to see. I think the better fit would be him against Judgment Day, but obviously we don't know what Triple H is thinking right, right now. Right, right. That's why I said there's a better – I think that's the better fit, in my opinion, but that you know, never know. Uh, also on Monday Night Raw, let's uh, go back. Kevin Owens kills it with another promo, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Uh, can he do no wrong on the microphone, Ken M? No. He's spot on right now. He's on a roll. They should just give him the mic every week right now. Yeah, the whole thing with him and Austin Theory, him telling Austin Theory that it was guys like him. It was built on the backs of guys like him so that Austin Theory could, could be where he's at. And Austin Theory goes, I'm nothing like you, which I thought Austin Theory was very good in this promo segment as well, especially considering the fact that he really down-talked Kevin Owens. You know, the thing about Theory is he's getting better every week, especially now he gets to work with a Kevin Owens who obviously – being in programs with talent on that level will help him. And obviously, he was already on a good trajectory to begin with. But now, the fact that he's really got to step his promo game up, I think you're starting to see little signs of that happening. And he definitely held his own in this segment. Oh, I agree completely. I, I just think that we have to remember that Austin Theory is still young in this game. Yes. I think that he's got a high upside. I think that that's what Vince McMahon and company in the former regime were looking at. And I think the Triple H has done a good job of not overlooking that. Has he slowed down the push? I think so. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing because he's a young kid and it's not hurting him. No. He's still in there with top talent like Kevin Owens and the returning Johnny Gargano, of course, who he has a storyline with. We're going to talk about Johnny Gargano in a minute. But I think right now they're doing the right things with Austin Theory and definitely with Kevin Owens. Yeah, I fully agree on that. Next up, let's speak about Johnny Gargano made his in-ring return. Of course, he returned uh, like almost a month ago mm. in Toronto, Canada. But he made his in-ring actual wrestling return this past Monday night on Raw against Chad Gable. Perfect opponent for him, I thought. I really enjoyed the match. There was a little bit of ring rust, yeah, in, in could, my opinion. You could definitely tell there was ring rust, but nothing to really say like, oh my gosh, why is he back? Like anything like that nonsense. No, absolutely. I... I, I thought that he did a they did a good enough job with him. I thought he had the perfect opponent. I'm a big fan, as we all know, of one Austin or not sorry, Chad Gable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Austin Theory on the mind. I'm also looking at the PWI list that we'll be talking about in a second. Uh but I, I I'm a big fan and I think that uh, Chad Gable has seemed to be pushed more in the forefront, although I heard some criticisms and I want to say it too. I think there was a big mistake a couple weeks ago when Braun Strowman returned. And he decimated four tag teams who we finally got to see have that rematch on SmackDown this past week. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that during SmackDown. But the big news where it comes here is one of those tag teams was uh, Chad Gable and Otis. And Chad Gable got decimated by Braun Strowman in what, record time? Two seconds? Something like that, yeah. Now he comes out and has a great 15-minute match with Johnny Gargano. So now perception is reality in wrestling, Ken. And that means that 
if you were to put Johnny Gargano in there, even though it would be David versus Goliath, anyways, against Braun Strowman, how are we to believe that he has a chance when a guy that Braun Strowman just squashed like that, it takes him 15 minutes to beat? My only guess, and I stress guess, is they're going to say Strowman's on a different level because he's a monster. And it doesn't make a lot of sense overall, but I can I can understand if they try selling that. I personally don't buy it, but I because I, I agree more with you about this. I think the fact that he squashes Gable sets a bad precedent, especially to try and compare Gargano if they ever want to do a program down the road. But it's also a way they really want to push Braun extra strong right now because in my feeling, I think he'll be getting a shot against Roman sooner than later. Oh, I agree. And I think that's what he was brought back for, was just to kind of be the monster that you can plug into the main event picture. So that way, you know, with everything going on in World Wrestling Entertainment, we actually have somebody to feed to Roman to keep him busy to WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. So I have no problem with that. And from that aspect, I just don't like when they do these things and then they wonder why people don't get behind the David and the David and Glasser. It's not a great play for them to do this because the David versus Goliath story is a little better, especially with Strowman. But... The fact that they go this route to really kind of push him and, and kind of, you know, take the spotlight away from like a Chad Gable, I, I think hurts overall. Absolutely. Uh, let's go over to WWE NXT, mm-hmm. which we don't talk about too much. 2.0. Let's, let's, let's say the 2.0 for what might be the last time. Yes. Because one of the big news, we'll start with the big news. Yeah. At the end of the show, when the show is all said and done, on the screen... We got a new, what appeared to be logo, that looked like the black and the gold with no 2.0. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you thought about the ending of WWE NXT this week. I loved it. I thought it was great. I think the fact that now we know Triple H is overseeing everything, and I think what he's going to do is really take whatever 2.0, whether you love it or hate it, there is still some bright spots there. I think what he's going to do is kind of mesh that to his original idea from NXT, and this, that's why you have the the golden white brand as it appeared to be the logo at the end. I thought the Shawn Michaels epilogue was a really fitting touch. And I really am excited where they're going with this because I think NXT 2.0 has been better than people want to give it credit for. The only thing that I think gets a lot of heat on from the internet wrestling community is it does look like a lot of the old Vince McMahon's esque programming of late, but now with triple H at the helm now going in that direction, I think there's going to be a lot of big things coming from this and I can't wait to see this. I'm with you 100% on this. I, I can't wait to see where they go from there. It definitely got the tease up. The other big thing coming out of NXT this past week was, of course, the man who just made his debut on the WWE main roster as a member of the bloodline, Solo Sokoa, defeated the longest reigning NXT North American champion. That's wild. Carmelo Hayes. It feels like Hayes just won that belt. He's had it for ago. a long time. Yeah, like, I don't know, for me, I guess because I really haven't been watching the two, the 2.0 era. Although it's not as impressive as you think because there's not a lot of long title reigns for the NXT North American Championship to begin with. Most people who held that belt went on to either get the NXT title or to the main roster, which I'm expecting that's where Carmelo Hayes is going. But a main roster guy is now the North American champion to the point that we're going to talk about it in a second, but we might as well say it here. He defended the title on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And we'll talk more about the SmackDown match there. Let's talk about Carmelo Hayes versus Solo Sokoa. How did you feel about the match? I enjoyed the match. 
I really thought this is a, is a great spotlight to show on Hayes because I do feel he's going to the main roster at some point. I don't think he's going right away, though. I think he's still going to have a little more months down in NXT. I could see him being actually a Royal Rumble entrant. Oh, absolutely. But here's the thing. I thought he looked great in this match, as he always does. But also, I thought Solo Sokoa looked amazing in this match. Oh, he looked great. Dude, he is very much like his uncle Umaga, mm-hmm. where he moves very quickly. He's very deliberate. He's definitely got the brute strength. There's a couple things that I wish he would do a little better, but that's going to come with time. He's still a young man in this business. And I think that one of the things that he does very well is power moves and beating down people. I, I would like to see him get a little better at selling. And not that he doesn't sell, but I think he sells too big for something that's small. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of weird to say that somebody's putting somebody over too much, but I think that that's one of his problems. It's something that will get worked out in time. But I, I, I do see that, but I think that he is just somebody that really wants to make sure he's doing his fair share to really put somebody over, which I, I, which I respect, but I'm with you on this. If you're supposed to be a monster, it, sh- it should be kind of held back a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Let's go over to SmackDown. Let's talk about the match on SmackDown because we're going to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So Solo Sokoa, last week on SmackDown, had a main event match with Drew McIntyre. Yep. Drew McIntyre, main event, first night. First night. Talk about faith from it's the a company. Main event. Yeah. Well, this week he's got a title defense, and he went up against... It's Riddick Moss. And no, I refuse to keep calling him Madcap Moss. The Madcap gimmick ended when he broke up with Happy Corbin. You want to create a new character, give him his real first name back, repackage him as something else. But I'm sorry, it is Riddick Moss. So Riddick is the one who faced off with Solo in a great match, too, I got to say. Yeah, I was. Uh, I thought it was a tremendous match. I thought that uh, it tied in very well with the storyline, considering the fact that earlier in the night, we had uh, the opening of the show was Logan Paul call, you know, getting that business taken care of with Paul Heyman, uh, where he said that he wanted to confront him. Triple H gave the invite. Now Paul Heyman's out there. The bloodlines outside the ring backing up Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's taking shots at the Paul brothers. And Logan Paul says, hey, I just want Roman Reigns to show up tomorrow in Las Vegas, Nevada for a press conference. That's all I want. Face off with me. So he shouldn't have anything to worry about, right? He should be able just to smash me, like you said, right? And we get all this whole, you know, crazy stuff going on. Sami Zayn ends up in the ring. Yeah, the MVP. With 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 uh, Logan Paul. Logan Paul punches him and drops him, and that brings out Ricochet for a match between Ricochet and Sami Zayn. Well, Sami Zayn loses the match, but partially because Jey Uso won't help him. Mm-hmm. So later on in the night where this plays in is as we're getting ready for this Riddick Moss versus Sola Sokoa fight for the NXT North American Championship. Well, they're in the back. Jay and Jimmy Uso are pumping up, you know, Solo Sokoa, telling him that, mostly Jay. And right before Jay or Solo says, listen, I don't need you to come out. You already dropped the ball tonight, Jay. I don't need you out there. So I'm going to take care of this myself. And then he starts to walk away and he goes, hey, Sammy, you coming with? And Sammy Zayn smiles and goes out with Solo Sokoa, which plants more of those seeds between Jay and Sammy Zayn. I'm loving this storyline with the bloodline and that possible future breakup, Kadem. I'm, I'm all in about this. Sami Zayn is the MVP of SmackDown. You can't tell me anything otherwise. Yes, I know Roman is Roman, but Roman runs all things pro wrestling. Sami Zayn is must-watch TV. Everything he's doing on the programming to social media with this angle has been nothing short of fantastic. I cannot wait until the bloodline explodes and we get the Usos versus Sami and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania for the tag team titles. I'm making the early prediction right there. Did you say bloodline? explodes yes i did 
Uh, with that being said, though, Solo Sokoa holds on and retains the NXT North American title in a great match. By the way, Madcap Moss, Riddick Moss, whatever you want to call him, I think he looks really good in that ring. He definitely does, and that's why I just say give him something new, like either a new first name, but get rid of the Madcap thing because it's just not working if he's coming out, not cracking jokes, not doing what everything is associated with that gimmick. Like, just do something new. Right on. Now, there was other things that happened on SmackDown. Ken, what are any other positives or negatives even that you had about this week's Friday Night SmackDown? Uh, well, I, I will say one thing that I thought was kind of positive, and I think it will kind of start clearing up a little bit of negative, and that is the whole Maximum Male Models angle that they were running. L.A. Knight was in the ring, and they were teasing the return to L.A. Knight a little bit with what's going on there, and obviously the male models were coming out to do the back-to-school fashion show. Braun Strowman's music hits. He runs right through him. It's one of the most comedic memes you're going to see. And then there's a little skirmish with Alpha Academy. And one thing that I like what they're doing, and like I say, some people say it's a negative. I think this is steps in the right direction for a positive, is Otis is not backing down from Braun at all. And he's really showing that he can stand up to him, which I think is great for them because, as we were talking about earlier with Chad Gable getting squashed by him the week prior, this is a situation where they are starting to build them back up into not saying it's going to be a, you know an equal level playing field, but at least get some credibility back to the Alpha Academy. I'm loving this, what they're setting up. So obviously I think we're getting maybe an Otis versus Braun match, probably at Crown Jewel, which I'm all right with, and let's see where they run with it. Absolutely. I'm with you there. I just want to go back to the LA Knight business. I liked it. During the promo, he says that we're in Anaheim. It's only right down the road from LA. And then there's this awkward pause as he does this, Weird look around. And then later on, an exclusive, a WWE.com uh, exclusive, it gets brought up. He's cutting a promo to the to, to his the whole Elder group, and he says something about the night. And when he says it, once again, he looks around, and there's this pause, and he like shakes his head, and he's like, I oh, know, and he walks away. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. So maybe we're going to get the return of LA Knight, which I'm very much excited for. Uh, with that being said, anything else on that list for you? Yeah, there was one other thing that kind of came out a little viral after the show ended, and that was during one of the commercial breaks, the song White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane came on and filled the crowd, and it looked like the old Bray Wyatt butterfly scene happened. Well, the, the crowd, well, the reason why is the crowd started lighting up their cell phones, the, yes. the flashlight on their cell phones. So it did look like the Firefly thing. I don't know if that was WWE's intent or if it was just something people do, because during concerts, people do that as well. Right, but just the fact that they started blaring that music and like everything was dark, and then all of a sudden the red light hit the back screen where the, the former Titantron is, I think there's something going on there. I don't exactly know what. I mean, all signs would point to Bray because obviously Karrion Cross is doing his own thing. So it's like, who else could you bring back that would encompass that kind of weird gimmick? Well, it was definitely weird. Maybe they are teasing something for the future. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with SmackDown at all. Maybe they're just laying seeds. But it was an interesting, you know, during during breaks, they usually do play music. But it was weird that all the house lights went out. Yeah. And basically, you know, very little lighting. And then you had the flashlight thing. You have White Rabbit playing, which is, you know, once again, they play music. But that was interesting that that was the choice very loudly. Mm-hmm. And then before they cut the music off and come back from break, for no reason at all, there is a red light that fills the stage area yeah so like i say there's there's some smoke so we gotta watch out for the fire over there so right right once again maybe it is maybe something that they're uh teasing they're doing it once again more of a viral thing because once again it wasn't 
WWE who put this footage out. This footage came from people in the crowds. Mm -hmm. So there's people filming it with their cell phones, and that's how we got to see it. And that's kind of similar to what they did with the Randy Orton, Matt Riddle fight in the parking lot. Yeah. So they're really doing good stuff there, in my opinion. Of course, also on Raw that we forgot to point out, Seth Rollins is going to get a shot at the United States title and Bobby Lashley next week. Yeah, so that's going to be a great match. So I, I'm kind of very much looking forward to that. Got kind of got lost in all the news because coming out the, of the week that was in WWE, especially after the Logan Paul impulsive uh, uh, interview with Roman Reigns mm-hmm. and then Friday Night SmackDown and what went down there, lots of talk, right? Lots of talk in the world of pro wrestling. Lots of rumors went around about Logan Paul possibly wrestling Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Yes. And guess what? It got confirmed. So that press conference that took place on Saturday uh, from Las Vegas, Nevada, it was confirmed that at the Crown Jewel event, it will be your tribal chief, the big dog, Roman Reigns, defending his undisputed unified universal championship against Logan Paul. Interesting. And which broke the internet. Yeah. Because half the fans were like, why is this happening? Why would they do this? And the other half of the fans were like, eh, whatever. Here's my take. This is my unique take, and I I want yours as well. I think then what the fuck is everybody worried about? First of all, Logan Paul has shown that he's decent in the ring. That doesn't mean he needs a title shot, but here's the thing. It's money. We're just wasting time. I give a 0% chance that Logan Paul walks out of Saudi Arabia, your undisputed universal champion. It's just somebody to feed to Roman to get Roman on TV to get him on the big money show that is Crown Jewel. Whether Mm -hmm. you like it or not, the Saudis pay a lot of fucking money, and that is why we have these shows. Mm -hmm. Whether we like it or not, and me and you have both in the past said we are not a big fan of them. That's fine. And that's going to give me to my second point. Not only is this a big money match that they can give to the Saudis and it's on a show that most people don't give a shit about, there's the key word. Most people don't give a shit about Crown Jewel. There's a lot of people who don't watch it because of you know obvious reasons, uh, because of wonderful progressive <laughs> Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and there's other you know so there's a, there's some political shit there. But on top of that, a lot of times this just ends up being a glorified house show, right? Am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. I'm with you on the same thing. The, when they announced this, I said okay, and like what? Why? Why are we outraged about this? What, because Logan Paul isn't ranked? I'm sorry. This is exactly what you said, Rich. It's a glorified house show each and every year. There is nothing earth-shattering that goes on here that really sets the WWE world on fire, except maybe, what, the one year that Seth Rollins lost to the Bray Wyatt when he first debuted the Fiend gimmick and took, what, 15, uh, Bray took 15 uh, stomps and still was no-selling it? Yeah. Like, yeah. that. that's, it, I'm sorry, if that's the only... Memory that stands out, and I know everybody's going to say the Titus O'Neil slide. Listen, I don't even care about that. By the way, that was world. That was the greatest Royal Rumble. That yes. wasn't even Crown Jewel. Like, okay, I agree with it. It's a Saudi show, but that's the whole thing. It's like if it's not affecting the major storyline, I don't watch the Crown Jewel shows, so I could care less what's going on there. It doesn't affect my world in any way, shape, or form. And this is for the WWE. Like, listen, if you're going to put Logan Paul in a high-profile match like this against Roman Reigns. Wouldn't you want to do it at Crown Jewel? I'm sorry, would you rather do it at Royal Rumble where Logan still is very new to the business? No, and once again, you're, I don't think anybody's arguing that they want it done stateside. They're, they're arguing, oh, he's got two matches under his belt and he's getting a title shot. And you're just like, so what? It's wrestling. Yeah. And, and 
the better takeaway is it's on Crown Jewel. The same people bitching about this aren't going to watch Crown Jewel to begin with. Exactly. So that's why it doesn't affect my world. It's a glorified house show. They need to justify the fact that the Saudis pay them hundreds of millions of dollars for this deal that they have. Mm-hmm. So they get glorified house shows where they get these weird fucking matches and, you know, quote unquote dream matches sometimes. I don't know who's fucking dreams, but whatever. And this is a big money match. They needed to put Roman in a big money match. What would you rather have happen? Have Roman versus Logan Paul, which we know, uh, you know, Roman will make it competitive. And so it doesn't bury Logan. But at the same time, we know that that Roman's going to win or would you rather him beat Drew McIntyre again or would you rather him beat uh Karrion Cross which makes no fucking sense for the storyline because that just hurts the storyline this is a win-win for WWE you get to serve your your financial backing of the Saudi government whether we like it or not is irrelevant Mm -hmm. but at the same time and give them a big money main event without actually sacrificing storyline I think Triple H has done what Vince McMahon and WWE couldn't pull off for years because they gave them matches that people might have liked to see and they were ruined in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, why is there outrage about this beyond me? And you know what? This fits perfectly because Logan Paul will bring an audience over to that show and we'll see how much of a real draw he is because I guarantee you they'll do decent numbers. But at the end of the day, it's not affecting anything else that's going on. What are we going to do? Barry Braun Strowman? You're going to bury, you know, like you touched upon Drew or carrying cross, it doesn't make sense at this stage. All, all signs point, and mind you, this could change, but all signs point that Roman's going to carry the belt until WrestleMania. Yeah. So if all signs point that Roman's at least going to carry the belt to WrestleMania, that means we have to get from now, which when we record is in the middle of September, mm-hmm. to April. The beginning of April. So you need to make sure you can keep feeding that title reign from now until then. And there's a lot of events and a lot of time in between, as you guys know. There's still the Survivor Series. Well, Extreme Rules is coming up. I don't think he's defending it there. But then you have, you know, obviously Crown Jewel. Then you have Survivor Series. Then you have, uh, I don't know. if They did Hell in a Cell already, I think. TLC? I can't remember what they're doing next. But there's another pay-per-view. Then, of course, the Royal Rumble is coming up around the corner. They're probably doing day one again, from what I understand. Yeah, I heard that, So they'll do day one and then they'll do Royal Rumble. Then you'll have No Way Out or whatever they're calling it now in between Royal Fast Rumble and Mania or Mania, right ever. So there's at least six or seven fucking premium live events, including Crown Jewel, between now and WrestleMania. And once again, I could be off. You can judge me on the fact that I didn't count the exact pay-per-views, but who really fucking cares? But you nailed it right on the head but anyway. the point is you still need to feed people to them. So if you waste a guy like Karrion Cross who can get a title shot at one of them and take up a month of, of TV time and build, or a Braun Strowman who can wait, take up a month of TV time and build, or another rematch with Drew McIntyre that can take up a month of build, or whoever, insert the next guy. If you waste that at Crown Jewel, you lose that as a real stepping stone. Logan Paul, this is the smartest thing, and in, in my opinion, they can do. It's a money match for the Saudis that's not going to affect our storylines in the States. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for it. There's also rumor going around, Ken M, speaking of Crown Jewel, that we might get Omas versus Goldberg. No surprise oh. there. Here's the thing. Once again, you and I aren't going to watch the yeah, show, so yeah, who gives a yeah. fuck? And they have a hard-on for Goldberg. So Goldberg squashes Omis, which nobody gives a shit about. That's why they brought back Braun Strowman. Let's be honest mm-hmm. here. If we're all going to be honest, right? Yeah, I know. And in Saudi Arabia, where a show I'm not going to watch, and most of the people listening to the show, and yourself included, aren't going to yeah, watch. Well, I'm not watching so this. why are we bitching about it? Who cares what happens there? Who fucking cares? No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I just don't want to see Goldberg come back at this stage. Sorry, it does nothing for me, so I'm definitely not watching. And, and at worst, we're going to get Goldberg on one show 
of of one of the TV products, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, between now and, and Crown Jewel. I'm sure to hype at, it up. Like you said, at, at worst, because it's not like we're building storylines other than probably the main event yeah. going into it. And they're not even building that. They did a press conference and stuff. I'm sure Logan Paul will come back out and Roman Reigns will come and talk shit. Outside of that, they're not doing much. It's not DEFCON 5, guys. We're good. We're good. We're fine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why it's just weird to me. It's just something to bitch about between the dirt sheets and the IWC and, you know, other fans. It's a show that none of us fucking watch. So who cares? Well, I think people are just trying to do it to spin the attention away from the AEW All Out fallout. Yeah. That's, look, that's the way I took it. It's smart. Let's talk about something that's not WWE, although there's WWE people on it, but I hate talking about this. I, I dread this day every year, Ken I mean, You know this. Yeah. And this is the day that Pro Wrestling Illustrated posts its top 500 list. And the reason why I dread the day is because then we have to spend another week or two of people just bitching, pissing, and moaning about the 500. So before I go into the top 20, we're going to go over the top 20. We're going to say what we think, yada, yada, right? Mm-hmm. Before I do that... I just want to point this out there. For those of you who it's ruining their days and you're bitching on the internet, it is somebody's opinion. Yes. It is a group of writers, the Wrestle for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, they have a critiquing system. And on that critiquing system, they rate. And of course, it's the power of the rating is everybody has their list and then they kind of talk it through, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. It's their opinions as a collective at Pro Wrestling Illustrated following the critiques that they did. And on Busted Open Radio, they explained the critiques. And, the, and, and, and how they work it is simple. It is from uh, July 1st of tw- the, these ones for July 1st of 2021 to June 30th of 2022. So these, the voting for this ended months ago. So you can't add in uh, John Moxley uh, defeating CM Punk or, you know, or losing to CM Punk or defeating him. That, yeah, that happened a couple weeks ago. All that's irrelevant. Yeah. All of that's out the window. That's all next year. So like, yeah, you got to let it go. Also, they treat it like a real sport, even though they know it's a work, mm. and wins and losses matter. Uh, they say difference, uh, differential and uh, opponents matter. So if you're fighting the same person all year, which will hurt some WWE guys, maybe not in the future, but now, happens. And then also, uh, the strength of your schedule. So if you're fighting all jobbers and jabronis, you're not going to be higher on the list. Somebody else will get power ranked before you. Once again, though, with all of those systems in place, Ken M, it is what again? fictional opinion based exactly these people have their opinions if you don't agree with them that is fine but that is their opinions by the criteria that they set forward yeah i mean well that's the whole thing i mean it's just their opinion based i shouldn't say fictional but obviously if you're really it is because it's pro wrestling yeah that's the whole thing so i really want to stress that point too not to insult anybody but let's be honest it's an opinion so why are we giving it so much weight in, in, in the, the media backlash? But let's get into this. I mean, I, I, you, you and I have the same opinion about this. So let's go into the top 20. The top 20 at number 20 was Drew McIntyre. Number 19, Kenny Omega. Number 17, Seth Rollins. Number 16, MJF. Number 15, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Number 14, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, your Impact Wrestling Champion. At number 13, always ready, Matt Cardona. At number 12, the uh, reigning Game Changer Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, John Moxley. At number 11, former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Shingo Tagagi. Number 10, the man who is going to use this number, if you believe the allegedlies, to probably try to get some more money, and that is Jonathan Gresham. <laughs> <laughs> At number 9, there's Big E. Number eight, El Hijo del Vikingo, who is your AAA uh, champion. 
Number seven, a man who is in the finals to play, uh, to find out the new AEW world champion, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. At number six, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. At number five, the man who is currently the, uh, the WWE United States champion, the almighty Bobby Lashley. Number four, former AEW world's heavyweight champion, especially when this list was made. Mm. That would be Hangman Adam Page. At number three, also now, you know, if we're talking now, former two-time AEW World's Heavyweight Champion CM Punk. At number two, the man who right now holds the championship shot at the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. That would be the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. And at the number one spot, he is the man who has been undefeated for almost three years. He has been the WWE Universal Champion for almost two, well, actually over two full years now. He is your undisputed universal champion of the world, ladies and gentlemen, the big dog, the head of the table, your tribal chief. Acknowledge him as your number one on the PWI 500, Roman Reigns. I would like to point this out. There has been nobody, maybe some idiots out there, and I I, I mean it this time, guys, uh, who is arguing that Roman Reigns doesn't deserve to be number one. Yeah, that's a foolish claim. Everybody else is arguing from then on. Yeah. Uh, it really, there may be a small cluster. And if you have that opinion, hit us up. We'll talk to you about it. But I think you're crazy because we can all agree Roman Reigns is the top guy in the business. Maybe he's not the best worker in the ring, but he's not bad either. But he's the most dominant. And going by the criteria of the list should be the clean shot number one. Oh, without question. He is the original needle mover. Merch-wise, pop culture-wise, is Roman's world. So here's where I have a problem with the list. By the criteria, they uh, said that the, one of the reasons, and everybody's agreeing, John Moxley, who is the ace, and we can all agree on that, of AEW. I think we can all agree mm-hmm. on that at least. He was left out in number 12, not in the top 10. And a lot of people took him. That's the one that most people, now mind you, there's others, but took up with that. And the argument that I keep hearing from the PWI people and the defenders of PWI is that he took three months off to go to rehab and better himself. And I get it. He wasn't in the ring. But with that being said, if this if this was started and the date was July 1st, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, CM Punk didn't debut until the end of August correct. of 2021, right? Correct. And then he, he was there all year, so he still has a month off. Big E got injured later in the year, but I think he was out for more than three months, and he's still in the top ten. And nothing against his injury. Not I'm not taking shots. No, no, no. I'm just pointing out if the fact that he got left off the list is time missed... Other people miss time, either equal, greater to, or even shorter than. But still, if that's the argument, Jonathan Gresham had a great start. Actually, I, I should check that. He didn't. There was a, a couple good matches, and then Ring of Honor was defunct for months, where he did stuff on the indies. Are you waiting that as high as you're waiting you know, things that are happening in a national company? And then when Ring of Honor was purchased by, by Tony Khan, he was finally made champion. So he had a championship win. So he's Ring of Honor world champion at that point because he didn't win the belt until after Khan took over the company. Right. And then, well, technically he won it right before, but it was it was the interim. He won a final battle. Yeah. Well, it was the interim. Remember, right. it was co-champions technically, and it got put back together with Bandito. But then after that, there's only a handful of title defenses. So I don't understand why, how he makes the top 10. And that's just my, that's my opinion. Nothing against him as a wrestler, because we all know I think he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So that's when you have somebody, you know, somebody was arguing about Matt Cardone. I think Matt Cardone at 13 is fine. He had one of the best years out of any wrestler. He won like 10 different belts, including two recognized world heavyweight titles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, the arguments I would have is I think Hangman Adam Page is up there way too high. 
I also agree with that. I would swap him and Moxley. I would swap him and Moxley, and then I would drop Moxley to number two and drop Punk to four and drop Okada to three. Because Okada's not had one of his best years either. No, no. I mean, like He's I said, still amazing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you, Okada's top five no matter what. But yeah, Moxley should be there. Because it, like, here's the thing, and like you hit it right on the head, especially with Jonathan Gresham, not saying anything away from his Ring of Honor work, but let's say the time off between when Ring of Honor was purchased and shut down, there is a very big gap. So if you're going to count indie work, well, John Moxley has been doing the indie work in GCW the hottest independent promotion in all of North America. So why would he be ranked that low and not higher? Same thing can be said a little bit for Matt Cardona. I would have had him actually at number 10 if I have to give a list because, let's face it, he has been the hottest name on the indies in 2021 until he got hurt. Oh, I agree completely. I I completely agree. Once again, we're not going to dive too in. This is our opinion, though. See, this is what. But we're not angry. We're not upset. PWI is entitled to their opinion. That is their opinion. Absolutely. And there's you know, wrestlers throughout the list. There's other wrestlers I could bring up. But once again, it's their opinion. It's their opinion and how they weighed it compared to your opinion how you weighed it. So the fact that we see the vitriol and the, and the just really like people that it ruined their days. It wasn't just like us who were like, oh, man, I would have done this different. Yeah. There was some of that. There was a lot of that people with their opinions, which is fine. And I, it's good to have an opinion. But there was a lot of people like, how could this be dumb? Uh, I've even heard from <laughs> the PWI people that there was death threats over a list of an opinion. Because people are losing their mind over stupid shit. I'm sorry. Like, it's a list, people. It, it is literally a list that is the opinion of a handful of people who get together and vote on it. And we can't just be like, oh, oh, that's whatever. Once again, make your own list. And that's going to be true to you. Art is subjective. We say this all the time. And wrestling is art. <laughs> yeah. That's why I say. Like, you're worried about a wrestling list. Yeah, it doesn't add up, folks. But with that being said, that's going to do it for the opening contest of this show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going to hit up the mid card. And you know that means the Indie Roundup. We're going to be talking about some Game Changer Wrestling, some Wrestling Revolver. And we're also going to throw some New Japan news in there because there's something big going on in Japan right now that is causing some problems for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we're going to talk about that right after this break. That is right, Ken M. Play that piece. Yeah, take it home, baby. Woo! You know what this song only means one thing, and that means that we have come to the mid-card of this week's edition of 607 Podcast Presents 
the wrestling show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. And when we hit the mid-card these days, one of the things we do in the mid-card is we do the Indie Roundup. But before we get to the Indie Roundup, I want to talk about something else that is also near and dear to our hearts. And because of the situation... I'm not going to play the normal music we would play for it, so unfortunately, but New Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, there's some things going on in Japan right now, if uh, you guys don't know. I'm going to read this from an article. Uh, This is actually reported by Wrestling Inc., but it's uh, the article I'm reading it for, but it's actually reported wide, and it's uh, recently New Japan Pro Wrestling canceled their September 18th Burning Spirit event. This was due to the typhoon Namadal being expected to make landfall somewhere in the south of Japan. The storm has since made contact with Japan's Kushu Island, forcing citizens to evacuate. Because of this, there is unfortunate news for New Japan fans as the second show has been canceled. Monday, September 19th, Burning Spirit show has been canceled due to the current weather conditions in Japan. The show was slated to take place at Fukuoka Island City Forum. The card was going to see NJPW Young Lions Yudo Nakashima versus Koshi Fujita in singles action. Bushi and Shingo Tagagi of Los Ingrenables de Japón were set to face off against Bullet Club's Kenta and El Fantasmo. Bullet Club's war with the United Empire was also set to continue as Hukulo, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Fale were set to be featured in the trio's action against Americans uh, Gideon Gray, Great Okan, our Empire, sorry, Gideon Gray, Great Okada, and Jeff Cobb. I said Americans. And so much more. So another show has been canceled, but the real uh, things going out here is to the Japanese people with uh, this horrible typhoon bearing down on them. I think the least of their worries is New Japan. So our thoughts go out to all the people in Japan that are possibly going to be affected by this typhoon. Would you, would you like to add anything to that, Kenny? No, I absolutely. Are, you know, positive thoughts and energy is out to everybody right now. Please stay safe if you're hearing this voice. Absolutely. So for uh, we do have some Japanese fans. So please, you know, stay safe. Uh, give us a message. Make sure everything's okay. Yes. Uh, because there's some things bigger than wrestling. And thank you to New Japan Pro Wrestling for canceling shows. And, and, and I know that sounds weird to some people, but here in the states, uh, certain wrestling promotions have run when they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least in Japan, New Japan is is very honorable about this. So thank them for that. And thinking about everybody first, and not just the bottom line. Yes. All right, now let's kick it over to our Indie Roundup. We're going to do a GCW shows from this week. We're not going to do all the shows that took place in Liverpool. We're just going to do the main GCW events, which there was two. You can still get the uh, fight.tv. You can still get the bundle if you would like to go back and watch these. Are you ready to go over the results from the first night, which was GCW in Liverpool? Let's Kenna. talk about it. Of course, this went down on uh, September 16th from the Hangar 34 in Liverpool, Maryside, England. Uh, on commentary, we had Ali Catch, DJ King, Effie, MLJ, and Jordan Oliver throughout the night. Kind okay. of an interesting thing. Yeah. And speaking of Jordan Oliver, the opening contest we had the clout cutter, the East Coast Ace, Jordan Oliver, as he defeated All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world, Blake Christian, in 13 minutes and three seconds and one hell of a banger. Absolutely incredible match. Huge win for Jordan. Next up, we had Ali Catch defeat Millie McKenzie in eight minutes and 16 seconds. That was a badass match. One of my first times seeing Millie McKenzie. Very impressed. Mm-hmm. Next up, the Internet Championship was on the line as your reigning, undisputed Internet Champion, always ready, Matt Matt Cardona. Cardona. Defeated Mad Kurt in 17 minutes and 34 seconds. Believe it or not, very good match. Uh, Kind of normal, you know, Cardona shenanigans, but still a good match. Entertaining. 
Next up, in a non-title fatal four-way death match, Big Joe defeated Clinton, Clint Margera, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, and one half of your GCW World Tag Team Champions, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. This match was only six minutes and seven seconds, but you wouldn't have told that by the carnage in the ring. No, they definitely made the most of the time given. We had a GCW Extreme title match up next, and it was a four-way. Uh, your reigning GCW Extreme champion, Cole Raddick, defended the title against Joe Lando, Leon Slater, and 607 TWS's favorite asshole, Tony Deppin. This match got nine minutes and eight seconds at the end of the day, and still game-changer wrestling extreme champion, Cole Radrick. Fantastic match. We had another really good match that I can't believe, you know, the English crowd got real lucky here as the bad boy Joey Janela defeated all elite Nick Wayne in 16 minutes and 17 seconds. Crowd was definitely hot for this one. This is a match that a lot of people were excited for and nobody was disappointed as Daddy Effie defeated Session Moth Martina 10 minutes and 32 seconds. What can you say about this match? And in the main event of the evening, this was a non-title match because one of these men is the TNT champion or sorry extreme champion i should say but this was a death fucking death match we, it's a dream as well we've seen it before but it's always a good time drew parker defeated mr 3p and the tnt extreme champion alex Colon, 15 minutes and 45 seconds absolutely brutal absolutely amazing to watch parker and Colon. i mean what can you what can you say about those two like that's the new death match fight forever Oh, absolutely. Fucking Luli. Well, next night it was not over as well. Also on fight.tv uh, from on uh, the 9-17, so September 17th, TNT versus GCW. Also from Hangar 34 in Liverpool, Maryside, England. Uh, on your commentary for fight was DJ King, MLJ, and Mark Adams. Are you ready to talk about the card? Yeah, let's do it. Opening contest featured the best in the world, all heart. Blake Christian, as he defeated Robbie X in 14 minutes and 7 seconds. Solid match. Next up, in a tag team match, the Kings of the North, Bonesaw and Damian Corvin, defeated the Ratty Daddy, Cole Radrick, and the East Coast Ace, Jordan Oliver, in 9 minutes and 42 seconds. Another great match. Next up, Man Like Doris defeats our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, in 10 minutes and 13 seconds. Very good match. And this was one that we were really looking forward to next. In a six-man tag team fucking death match, Team GCW, Alex Colon, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, and the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, defeated Team TNT, Big Joe, Clint Margera, and Drew Parker in eight minutes. This was another one that I'm surprised it was that short of a match because they all put in some work, and this match got out of control in a hurry, and I loved it. Lizzie Evo defeated Allie Catch in 10 minutes and 6 seconds. Fun match. The bad boy, Joey Janela, not putting up the uh, his his uh, pro wrestling DDT title on this one. But uh, he defeated Gene Mooney, 11 minutes and 4 seconds. Another fun match. In a triple threat match, Shay Monet defeated Effie and Visage in 11 minutes and 33 seconds. Great match. And in the main event... Of the evening for the TNT World Championship, your TNT World Champion, Dan Maloney, is still your TNT champion as he defeated Always Ready Matt Cardona. This match got 23 minutes and 34 seconds, and boy, Cardona took a loss, but looked good in it. Definitely one of Cardona's better matches. Gotta say that out loud. This didn't feel like the same old stuff. This definitely had a different vibe to it. Great match. 
Absolutely. I agree with you completely. Well, we're back on the road next week for Game Changer Wrestling. Only one event, though, and that is going down on September 23rd, which is uh, Friday night. And that is coming to you from Los Angeles, California, the Ukrainian Cultural Center. Uh, I'm just going to forewarn everybody. It's going to be at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, in case you guys don't already know. Because that's what time it is when it's when they wrestle out there. Yes. You want to talk about the card that's coming up? Let's do it. In a tag team war, the team of the bad boy, Joey Janela and star boy Charlie will take on the South Pacific Savages, Jacob Fatu and Juicy Fenois. Ooh, that's We've been good. building to this for a long yes, time. Yes, we have. And we even had to switch out uh, one Chris Dickinson for Joey Janela, but we finally got there. Next up, All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world, Blake Christian, will go one-on-one with a young up-and-comer who's got a big upside, Titus Alexander. That's going to be a phenomenal match. This is going to be a fun one for you, and this is going to get violent real quick because the old Mancer, Mance Warner, goes one-on-one with Hunter Freeman. Oh, this is going to be some old-school ass-kicking right here. I'm I'm all in on this bout. Archangel Davino will take on Ultimo Maldito in a Lucha, Lucha, Lucha match. All right, let's do it. Our good friend, the man who calls himself Big Breakfast, the East Coast Ace, the cutout cutter, Jordan Oliver is going to give a big contest because he goes one-on-one with Kevin Blackwood. That's going to be a great match. And a match that we have, we have a man we haven't seen in a little bit, and he was your number 10 on the PWI 500. Jonathan Gresham is going one-on-one with all elite Nick Wayne. Now, is this the first time we've seen him since Death Before Dishonor? No, he has. He did wrestle uh, for a couple different. He actually wrestled for Wrestling Revolver after that, and he also had one show for. Well, technically, it's still Terminus, I think. Okay, so he has wrestled a couple times, but not too many times. Okay, still him against Nick Wayne. Yes, I'll bring it on. This is going to be fantastic. Let's go. The Game Changer Wrestling Tag Team Titles will be on the line in a three-way match. Your champions, the Mega Bastards, Alex Colon and the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, will defend against Bussy, which is Ali Catch and Effie, and Los Maciso Ciclope, Emiedo Extremo. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a great match. Can't wait for it. And the last match listed here will be for the Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Championship. As the king of Wreck Ship Mountain and your GCW Extreme Champion, Cole Radrick defends the title against a fan favorite also, Jack Cartwheel. Ooh. Ooh, that's going to be a great match. So that will be going down this upcoming Friday on Fight.TV from Los Angeles, California, the Ukrainian uh, Cultural Center. And, of course, the following week, they'll be in Japan. Yes. So we'll talk about that more on next week's show. But this weekend, if you want to see some game changer wrestling, you can get it on Fight from Los Angeles, California. You ready to talk about another review of another huge indie show that went down this weekend, though, Ken M? Always. Because we're getting ready to cap it up. I think we have one more preview after this one. So let's go. Ready? Yes. This was coming from our good friends, The Wrestling Revolver, and it was Tales from the Ring 5. It went down uh, on 9-17-2022 from Clive, Iowa, in the Horizon Event Center. Ready to talk about it? Yes, indeed. All right, in the opening contest, the Impact World Championship was on the line as your Impact World Champion, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, defeated the one called Manders to defend the title. 10 minutes and 39 seconds. Ooh. Next up, Heath. Yes, that Heath. Heath Slater, but now known as Heath, defeated Damian Chambers in one minute and 57 seconds. Wow. (laughs) That was just a fun, crazy little thing. Yeah, just a a one and done there, yeah. Yeah. 
In a six-man tag team match, the Rascals, Myron Reed, Trey Miguel, and Zachary Wentz defeated the kingdom of Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Vincent in nine minutes and 47 seconds. Wish I would have gotten a little more of this, but it was still very good. They made the most of the time, and there was some wild shit that happened in this one. We had a Monsters Ball match next where PCO defeated Crash Jackson, Madman Fulton, and Warhorse to be your winner in 17 minutes and five seconds. That was a wild one. In an Iowa death match, Jake Chris defeated Joel Bateman in 9 minutes and 57 seconds. Great match. In a tag team match, Dan the Dad and Jake Manning defeated Infrared, Logan James, and Tyler Matrix 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Ooh. In an X Division title seven-way scramble match, your X Division champion, Mike Bailey, defended the title against Billy Starks, Chris Bay, Dante Leone, Gringo Loco, J.D. Griffey, and Casey Navarro. This match got 14 minutes and four seconds and was insane. And at the end of the day, and still your Impact X Division champion, Speedball Mike Bailey. When people are doing DVDs and still having other opponents in leg locks, like you know this is going to be some wild stuff going on in this one. This lived up to the hype. This was a fantastic match. The Revolver Championship was on the line next as your champion, JT Dunn, defended against Jessica. This match got 10 minutes and one seconds. At the end of the day, JT Dunn is still your Revolver World Champion. Great match. And in the main event of the evening, we had a tag team match where Swerve in our glory, your reigning AEW World Tag Team Champions, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, defeated Matthew Palmer and Rich Swan in 26 minutes and 50 seconds. And all I'm going to say is goddamn tag team wrestling is something else. This was a phenomenal main event. Definitely go check it out if you, if you didn't see it. I got a chance to see most of the card. I didn't see a couple of matches, but man, Wrestling Revolver really impressed the hell out of me with this one. Also, you can still get that on Fight.TV as all Wrestling Revolver shows. Uh, I would also like to give a real quick shout out. IWTV had some great shit going on this weekend as well. For those fans that pay attention to IWTV, we're not going to cover them in full. Circle Six had another show on IWTV. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, that's going down as we record because behind the curtain, we're recording Sunday. Yes. So that's going on as we're uh, actually right as we're speaking now mm-hmm. also uh going on so by the way if you check it out on monday or tuesday you can watch the replay also uh going down this past weekend was a prestige show that was very good as well so make sure you get in and check both of those out on independentwrestling.tv and i think you have a shout out for some that's upcoming don't you Kenneth? yes yeah, so going down next sunday as we record September 25th, Glory Pro Wrestling. Shout out to them. A return to the pageant. So live at the pageant too. Ludicrous Speed is going to be going down. So you definitely want to make sure you're checking the event out. They got a very, very stacked card. Delirious, Dan Housen, Tootie Lind, Josh Alexander, Warhorse, Matt Seidel are all listed to be in attendance for it. So listen, if you're not familiar with Glory Pro, make sure you're following them on social medias, on Twitter at WeAreGloryPro. And definitely don't miss this card when it drops because I tell you what, they're doing a lot of great things over there. Absolutely love Glory Pro Wrestling, love supporting them. Of course, you can support them for free on YouTube. With that being said, that's going to do it for this week's mid-card and the Indie Roundup. We are going to take our final break. When we come back, it'll be time for the main event of this week's 607 TWS. And we will be talking the week that was in AEW. We will also be talking about uh, what's upcoming in Grand Slam. And then there's some other little newses that are kind of inconvenient for all elite wrestling that we'll also be talking about as regards to... Time, or well, sorry, Warner Brothers Discovery, now mm-hmm. WB Discovery. We're going to talk about all of that and more in the main event this week, right after this final break.
wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It is time to rumble, it is time for the main event of this week's 607-TWS. And you know what? We are going to talk some all elite wrestling, some AEW. Are you ready, Ken M? Let's do this. Let's start off by recapping the week that was. And of course, it was a very special week because I, myself, Rich, that is, went with Crazy Curtis. And we went to watch AEW Dynamite and Rampage. They taped Rampage the same day in Albany, New York this week. So we were there live for the two semifinal matches and more. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that experience as well as talk about some pros and cons from the evening, shall we? Yes. So first of all, I got to say thank you to All Elite Wrestling and Tony Khan for your great hospitality and for coming to Albany, New York and letting us enjoy this. Uh, firstly, I held nothing of uh, against uh, <laughs> AEW for some of what I'm going to talk about here in a second. Uh, I will say this for Albany and the MVP arena, your parking ramp situation is awesome hmm. and it is connected right to the building, which is even better. So I was very happy about that. The efficiency of getting us into the building was also top notch. So I appreciate that as well. However, uh, this is a building that seats almost 16,000 people and it's not very big. It's about the size of our arena here in Broome County, with the exception that we don't have an upper bowl, mm -hmm. which they do. Uh, so the building is the same, about the same size, but taller. And also, I think the way that they got those seats in when they renovated was by putting them so fucking close together. And I know I'm a fat guy. However, my ass hurt from getting into and out of the seat. And even Crazy Curtis, who is not a big guy, he's still, you know, he's a 17-year-old. He's my, he's my stepson. Uh, he had only like an inch on each side. So mm. not very... And then the seats in front of you are super close. They try to cram as much in. Now, mind you, these are set-up seats. This is an arena. Right. So these are in the ground. This has nothing to do with all elite wrestling. I just want to tell MVP Arena, if anybody works there or anything else, your fucking seats suck, bro. <laughs> with that being said, our seats were awesome because we were literally setting uh, like right next, to, we were right next to the stage. We had a clear shot at the ring except for when people were standing up and if we just chose not to stand, which is it is what it is. Right. But we had great seats as far as viewing goes. It's just they sucked as far as the actual physical parts of the seats. But let's not talk, uh, dwell too much on that. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite. First of all, they, they, they taped Dark Elevation in the first hour. So if you go to an AEW live event, it opens at 7 o'clock. And from 7 until about 7.50, they tape matches for Dark Elevation. And I was super impressed with the efficiency of these matches. So I'm not going to spoil any of them. If you if people want to watch Dark Elevation, I usually don't. But like there was an efficiency to these. And most of them are like three minutes, not very long, little whatever matches, because that's what Dark Elevation is full with. Then there's the two like more main matches where people, you know, for the jobbers, they never use the uh, actual tunnel entrances. They came in the side. Oh, interesting. They ushered them in and out. There was countdowns in between. It was kind of crazy. They were super efficient. Then there was like two matches that were people out of the tunnels and they got a little longer. Those matches ran for like five to, to eight minutes. Mm. So, you know, they had like what I would call them, what main event matches or whatever. Yeah, I would say so. So at 7.50, we get Justin Roberts out. And it was interesting because Justin Roberts, first of all, I got to give him all the praise in the world. Fucking awesome at crowd work really like he had 10 minutes to kill while they're switching over like the the buckles for dynamite and like the skirting to dynamite he's like talking to the crowd he's reading signs he's having a good time it was really cool and then we got tony khan 
Oh, boy. About a minute before showtime, Tony Khan came on stage. I posted it. If you want to see the video, go to at 3FN Podcast on Twitter. I posted it there. Uh, you'll see it. And boy, oh, boy. All I got to say, and this is, this is uh, just, you know, my opinion. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. I'm just saying. Uh, nobody says, let's go like Tony Khan. I need to get that in the board. Okay. Uh, but it was. It was cool to see him amp up the show. I'll give him credit for that. I don't know how professional it is or how much I truly liked it. Uh, it reminded me kind of indie wrestling because indie promoters like to put themselves over all the time for those people who are in the know, especially if you're especially if you're going to shindy events. You know, that doesn't usually happen at like big major events. But right, right, uh, right. You know, you don't really see Sammy Callahan. You know, occasionally he has to address the crowd, but it's off air. Uh, you know, you don't usually see like uh, Brett. I know he did at Hammerstein, but usually you don't see Brett get in the ring. Right. You know, but you go other places, and trust me, for people who have watched enough indie wrestling like me and uh, Ken Am and been there in person, you see this a lot. So I don't, it's one of my the least favorite things in independent wrestling. So I'm not sure that I like Tony Khan doing it, but I understand, and the crowd reacted well to it. So I'm not going to completely shit on it. Right. That's fair. But it's yeah, just my personal preference. No, no, I, I know exactly what you're referring in, you know, those situations. Yeah, it should be about the talent, not. The promoter, but you know he's he's also one of those guys there that is just such a super fan that you know he, he carries that energy with him. So I could I could see him doing it, but I agree with you. I don't think it's a good time. So let's talk about AEW Dynamite. We're not going to go through the whole card. I'm going to save that. I'm going to talk some stuff. But the opening contest was John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara in a semifinal match for the AEW World's Championship. And I thought it was a very good match. It was a good mm-hmm. opening match. Uh, it's New York State, so hence why we didn't get any blood, yeah. like any real blood, uh, because New York State's very picky about that. You'd have to do it the hard way, or because if not, they're going to find the shit out of you. So I, I, I understood why we didn't get that, mm-hmm. and I'm fine with that. I was perfectly fine with it, watching at home. But I thought it was a good match, very good match, like we thought. John Moxley wins the match to go on to Grand Slam to challenge for the AEW World's Heavyweight Championship. We then get a promo shortly thereafter from one MJF. Like I said, I'm skipping over some things on purpose. We're just kind of talking about some positives and maybe a couple negatives, sure. in my opinion. But MJF promo is a huge positive because, god damn it, MJF is good. Yeah, he's fantastic. Came out, cut a promo on John Moxley, basically saying, who the hell are you? Who are you to like uh, come after me? Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. No, it definitely set the tone for what's going to happen next week at Grand Slam. So I thought that his his time on screen was good. Before we get to a negative, because mm. <laughs> it was a negative in my yeah, opinion. Before we get to a negative, I'd also want to throw this out there. MJF got engaged this week to his longtime girlfriend and hit the news cycle like TMZ style. With the but with the greatest quote tweet of all time, the consummate heel. I love it. He said, For all the ladies in my TL. Just because there's a goalie in the goal doesn't mean you can't try to score. Strive for greatness. <laughs> Hashtag salt of the earth. Amazing. Simply amazing. <laughs> Such amazing thing. Uh, but the negative here, and I is that then we find out that what MJF hired was a stable on retainer. Yes. Called the firm, and he brings out his best friend Stokely Hathaway in the firm as as then he fucks off. <laughs> And leaves the ring with these guys explaining that, hey, when MJF needs us, we're at his beck and call. But when he doesn't need us, we are all out to get different things. Like Morrissey wants to just beat people up. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Ethan Page, who wants that all-American champion. All, Atlantic. All-Atlantic. Why I say all-American? All-Atlantic championship. I'm thinking about the Rougeau brothers over yeah. here. 
Then we find out that the ass boys want to be tag champs. Good luck with that, ass boys. Mm -hmm. And Lee Moriarty's got his eyes set on the ROH Pure title of all fucking things to have your eyes set on. Not the AEW World Championship. Not, you know, the TNT Championship. The Ring of Honor Pure title. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You're on an AEW fucking show, right? This is what I had the problem with with this promo. I love Stokely Hathaway. I think he's fantastic. He did a great job cutting the promo, I would yeah, say. Yeah, he did a great job trying to sell this, but this was not a good promo, period, because this literally seemed all over the place. And especially for what they were trying to sell is we, we come together like Voltron when needed. Otherwise, we just do our own thing. Like it, it's, a, it's an interesting concept, but just when they were explaining like their individual goals – like nobody wants to be a world title. Like nobody wanted except right. except the ass boys. Yeah, that, that's tag titles, yeah. Yeah, I mean it just came off very, very awkward. And, oh, it did. And just in like watching at home with Pad here, because we just got done recording ODPH, we were like, what the hell is going on here? Well, I can tell you the Albany crowd also was like, what the fuck is going on here? And all this, every there was a lot of people standing for MJF's promo that then sat down and kind of tuned out for this promo. Just going to throw it out there. That was from my live event view. Yeah. Uh, later on the show, and I'm going to go with a second negative before I go back to positives, because there was some positives, was the women's tag team match. Boy, oh boy, couldn't have the loud crowd given a shit more about Tony Storm tagging with Athena to take on Serena Deeb and, uh, of course, the DMD, Britt Baker. And nobody gave a shit. Like, really, nobody stood up for any of their entrances. Like, I'm sure some people on the floor did, but nobody in the seats did, mm. which is weird because they were standing up for fucking everything else. They blocked my view to the ring a few times because I wasn't going to stand for just random promo spots, i.e. MJF spot. Right. It was just fucking weird to me. And the match wasn't good. No. Especially the ending made no sense. How do you have a baby face in a submission hold? So during this match... We have your champion, Tony Storm, in a sharpshooter, a cloverleaf. I, I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head, sorry. For Serena Deeb. Athena comes in, first of all, breaking it up, which is a heel move. Mm -hmm. And she gives her a kick, or she gives her a few forearms to the face. The Serena Deeb no sells. Like, you know how you do the strong style, but that's usually a baby face roll. Yeah. Before giving her a kick, which she also no sells, before Britt Breaker comes in and super kicks Athena's head off. That's usually a baby face spot. Yeah, it was and the heels weird watching it. at home. Then we get the pin on the AEW Women's World Champion. Interim, sorry, Women's World Champion. Serena D pins Tony Storm in this tag match. And then after the match, they continue the beatdown, which brings out Jamie Hayter to a thunderous, uh, you know. Yeah. The crowd was on their feet. She comes out with a chair, and then she hits... Tony Storm with a fucking chair and then throws the chair on the ground and still talks shit to Britt Baker before leaving. It made zero fucking sense. Zero fucking sense. If there was psychology involved in this, it was sorely lacking because watching at home, this did nothing. It was just all over the place. It looked like everybody was kind of running to fill time. And like, I hate saying this because I think what they're going to do at Grand Slam is going to be a million times better. But this just seemed, I hate saying filler, but filler to the letter. Well, here's the other problem. The crowd was zero into it, period. Yeah. From the time they came out. So it had nothing to do with the match, but it was zero into it. And I want to take this a step further. I'm going to skip ahead here. When they filmed Rampage, we got Penelope Ford versus Willow Nightingale. Mm -hmm. Once again, the crowd didn't give a shit. 
So for the longest time, we've been sitting here, and my, maybe I'm wrong, and I understand not, I can't paint a broad picture of everybody, but I'm going to say this from being there at a live event. Maybe we've been wrong about them fixing the women's division. Maybe they should just scrap it because it doesn't seem that the all-elite wrestling fans want a women's division. And I know there is something out there. So before those of you who want the women's division to succeed, get pissy with me and say, yeah, I said all. I'm just saying I was in an arena and, and mind you, I said earlier, his capacity was 16,000. There was more like 6,000 in the arena. First of all, they didn't have the bowl open at the top. And this is not a shot at them. They just didn't have it open, which is probably smarter. And then f their their production things took up a lot of space. <laughs> so like, and then there was some empty seats. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie and sugarcoat this. So there was a, probably a good 6,000, five to 6,000 people in attendance, which isn't bad. Because they're used to doing six to seven thousand buildings, and I'm not shitting on it. Yeah. You got to remember, All Out was in a building that only holds just uh, it holds barely ten thousand. I think nine nine thousand seven hundred eighty seven is, if you believe the real total, that's what they said for the the pay per view. Mm -hmm. So that's what they hold there. So it's not like, and and we all know they run smaller buildings. So it's not a shot at AEW by any means. That's why I didn't put out a bunch of pictures where there was nobody sitting and where they had production stuff, which I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's not here or there or their fault. It is what it is. But there was about 6,000 people in attendance, I would say. Five to 6,000. I'm going to lean towards six. And none of them gave a shit about any woman match that went down. I'm being dead serious. I don't know if that's indicative of everybody in AEW. I don't know if that's because AEW has made you feel like women's wrestling is an afterthought and people have just thrown in the towel on it, or if they just don't give a shit. I don't know. What would your what would you be your thoughts with no, hearing what I had to say about it? Hearing what I, you have to say about it, I think this is a very big red flag of concern for Tony and company there. That I think with this match in particular, it threw me off. Because I did not hear that this was going to be for the interim title at Grand Slam. Because I was going, why is everybody paired like this together? Because that took me I, out. I think they I think they announced that after, which is dumb because... Yeah. Because, and this is on booking, is because we didn't understand why this was a tag match. And they announced it after that it was going to be a four-way. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, They like, should have announced it first, is what I'm saying. Oh, I agree with you about that. Because like, that really took me out of it. That I'm sitting there going like, okay, this doesn't really make sense. Like, why are we even going here and like what's going on because the whole storyline has been really out of everybody involved. The storyline has been Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And I think that that's why Hayter got such a big pop when she came out, but just how this was going in. And like, I hate saying this, but this just felt like it was just thrown in there to throw in there instead of like really trying to enhance the storyline, which if the whole ending with Hayter and Britt was supposed to enhance anything, it was more confusing than anything. And if you're trying to say that Jamie is so conflicted, it didn't come off that way. So what I would say is if I'm Tony, I'm having a, a meeting as soon as possible with the wrestling minds that I work with and say, okay, how do we really give more prestige to this title? How can we make this more impactful? Because if you're seeing the crowd reactions like you did and even watching at home, every, like people, like I was on social media and people were just kind of even downplaying like the importance of this match, and that's an insult. This is something they really got to step up and do and really take the ball and run with it. And I hope Grand Slam weekend they do this. I agree. I, I agree that they need to do something. But I just thought I, it was just weird to me. No, very, no, you're absolutely very, right. Very it was it was weird watching at home because it it did feel dead until Jamie Hader came out and then she got a huge pop. I thought Wardlow was coming out. Like that's the level it came across at home. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk about one more positive and probably the biggest positive and and fucking awesomeness of this night. And mind you, I, I should say this: the acclaimed cut a hell of a promo, 
and got a hell of a reaction. The acclaim's fucking over. Yeah. <laughs> the acclaim is fucking over. Uh, but it, I don't, you don't really need to dive into that because we're going to talk about that a little more coming up in our preview for uh, Grand Slam. But the biggest positive here, the main event mm-hmm. of Dynamite this week in the other semifinal match, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho, who have had this feud going on, who have now had, I think, three or four matches in AEW. And, well, not uh, counting, you have, you got to count the buildup coming into, well, blood and guts, which Danielson had to okay. miss, unfortunately. But there's some buildup. And I just want to throw it out there. They've done a great job with the story with the Daniel Garcia subplot and the JAS and the and the uh, Blackpool Combat Club and all that great stuff. And this match, in my opinion, and I thought they had a great match at the pay-per-view, and I thought they had a great match before on TV. I think this is my favorite match. And it wasn't just because I was there. This match was fucking great. Mm-hmm. The two of them went out there. They looked great. I mean, Jericho looked great on the lion saw. He looked like he he picked up like five steps from where I thought before. I was like, man, he's slowing down. He looked amazing. Danielson doing a good job. They told his story. Brian Danielson, uh, you know, hurts the leg. Uh, one of my things that I didn't like was that uh, they didn't count when he was outside the ring. He's outside the ring with a hurt leg and and Aubrey just forgets to count. Yeah, <laughs> and, that was a bad you know, look. Heel Jericho would have probably loved to win by count out. Uh, but with that being said, though, the match itself was phenomenal. I even loved the finish, coming into the finish and getting the LaBelle lock in and getting that, that victory over Jericho to have Daniel Bryanson go on to the finals of the tournament to face his black pool combat club teammate in John Moxley. So that's our finals. We'll dive more in that in a minute when we talk about uh, Dynamite Grand Slam this upcoming week. But I thought it was a great match, and I thought it was a phenomenal match. I thought the crowd was in it the entire time. I thought that uh, both men just killed it, in my opinion. No, I fully agree, too. I mean, this is the perfect way to set up for your big event that you're having going on. They couldn't have told a better story. Jericho looked like the Jericho of old, asterisk. But this is one of his better AEW matches I've seen him in. Bar Absolutely. Uh, skipping over to Rampage. I thought Rampage was fine. Uh, with the exception of the Penelope Ford uh, Willow Nightingale match, the crowd was into everything. Uh, the crowd was di- uh, was dead down a little bit because mind you, was slated. And I'm going to get into that in a minute because there was some there's some critiques that I hope somebody down in uh, Jacksonville hears because I think that they could improve some things, mm-hmm. especially from the fans' perspective. And I'm going to get into that next. I just want to finish out the actual wrestling. I thought the main event there with Samoa Joe and Josh Woods was a phenomenal match. Mm. Very good match. I love the fact that Wardlow ended the night because uh, the fans fucking popped yeah. for Wardlow. Wardlow is fucking over, folks. We're going to get into that when we talk about Grand Slam, what I think should happen. Wardlow's fucking over, folks. Uh, with that being said, it was a great rampage. Let me, this is from being there live. This is not on TV. So all the TV stuff, I think they did a lot of great stuff. The women's stuff, they need to either make it important or get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Because the crowd has seen the fact that it's a, I'm telling you, being there live, I'm telling you, the crowd knows that it's this afterthought. Yeah. So either shit or get off the pot, mm-hmm. pretty much. And that's my only negative takeaway from the entire time. I thought it was a fun show. I, you know, obviously I, I wasn't a big fan of the firm stuff, but like as a show, it flowed. It told the story. We continued on some stories. You know, I would have preferred that we got Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus, or Luchasaurus made a fucking appearance in his match to continue that story on a little further. But whatever, you know, I'm not going to be mad about it. I thought it was a fun Dan Housen versus uh, Ethan Page, especially knowing how good friends they are in real life. Mm. I dug that. It's a, a lot of good stuff that went on between Dynamite and Rampage. Here's the thing. Here's, here's my note from a fan in attendance. Firstly, 
the I don't know if it's this way at every live event, but at this live event at Albany, the merch table. Have I told you about the merch table yet? Yes, you did. So the merch table, folks. This is where you make money on the road. This is one of the things that makes you money. So what do we have at the merch table for most places? Shirts, belts, action figures, all that. They had those. They had they had fucking cinch bags, action figures, replica titles. They had like, I don't know, bandanas and shit like that. They had little fucking styrofoam thingies, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of things they didn't have. And it was mostly shirts. So... In the shirt category, they have the dynamite shirt, which is basically an eight. It says dynamite and rampage on the front, the logos, and then it has pretty much the roster on it. Okay. On the back, it says I was at AW Dynamite Live or something to that extent. They also had two of the summer uh, AEW shirts that were just they were on sale because I think they're just trying to get rid of them, which is fine. No mm-hmm. problems with that. Everybody does that, right? And then they had three, just three wrestler shirts. Mind you, for 35 bucks, which you can buy them on Pro Wrestling Tees for 25 I do believe. Because mm-hmm. all the things go through Pro Wrestling Tees. But they have three shirts. And I, I don't even care about the price. Because once again, live event, shit gets marked up. Cool, whatever. So I'm not even going to buy a spot. But only three wrestler shirts. First of all, you should have at least 10. You should have maybe more than one merch table. But if you're only having one, at least 10. And of course, all the popular people. You should have Dan Housen shirt, Orange Cassidy shirt, uh, the acclaimed right now. You know, they have that scissor me daddy ass shirt out that apparently a lot of people want. As a matter of fact, there's a special edition of that that's going to be at Grand Slam this upcoming week. Why didn't we have the real deal in Albany? Yeah. And that would have made money. Instead, you had three wrestler shirts ready for the wrestlers. By the way, only one of them was wrestling on the card that night. And that would be the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Hmm. The only wrestler on the card that had a shirt in attendance. The other two shirts, one was the FTR, who was not on the card at all, which I would have loved to see FTR, but they weren't on the card, but they had their shirt there. And the other one is a man who has fucking suspended. It was CM Punk. (laughs) Wow. So no Wardlow shirt, no Acclaim shirt, no Orange Cassidy, no Danhausen, none of these stars that people actually want to fucking see. And not not saying on FTR, FTR is fine, but they weren't there. But it's still cool to sell their shirts. But could we get some other ones there as well? You would make sense. And I think you would make money that way. So if you're listening to Jacksonville, my comment here is help people spend money on your shit. (laughs) Yeah. Make yourself some money. The other problem I had was the Dynamite to Rampage turnover. Dynamite goes off the air at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, we're in Albany, New York, so it is 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It took from 10 o'clock until at like a little, I think it was like 10.22 for them to change over everything to Rampage, firstly. Hmm. So that uh, to change over to Rampage, they changed the skirting, they changed the turnbuckle covers, they changed the, uh, the stuff behind the uh, table, they changed the ramp. The ramp has like a uh, gray or black pad over it for dynamite, hmm. and they put a red one over it. But it takes time because they have to make sure it's all unwrinkled and everything else. Interesting. Yeah, it was weird. And I'm like, I don't know if all this is necessary. Just, you know, I think you could have left the ramp the same and been fine. Yeah. So it took 22 minutes, which is probably quick for the ring crew. And I'm not faulting the ring crew. Because I think the ring crew did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. I am faulting the fact that we do all of this dumb shit knowing that we have people in attendance. Yeah. Who are staying up and have to sit through you know, filming matches for Rampage, which is cool to see, but it's also like, let's get it done and get people out of here, especially because, like I said, it is 10.20 Eastern Standard Time. 
So families are there. That's why a lot of people leave before Rampage is taped, mm-hmm. which is really a disservice because some good shit happened. Yeah. Next problem I have is that if you're recording matches, don't you think you would just record the match and then record? Like if, like in this case, I think there was four matches. There was. There was Darby versus Matt Hardy. There was Willow versus Penelope. There was Danhausen versus Ethan Page. And then there was Samoa Joe versus Josh Woods. Right. And then there was some backstage stuff that you don't necessarily need to show the live crowd. Maybe you could even save that so the live crowd will tune into Rampage. But whatever, I'm cool with you showing it, but you can show it real quick. But why don't you just film the four matches back to back to back and maybe show the crowd in between a couple of them, the the promos, right? That'd be the logical thing, yeah. Okay, well, the thing that they did was they literally waited. So it was almost like you were waiting like a commercial break like Dynamite. We didn't leave the venue until 11.35. Jesus. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Cut it down so people will stay because if people would have stayed, there would have been a fuller building which would have been louder for Rampage. So I think that they need to cut the A, the time of changeover down to maybe like five, ten minutes. Just change the buckles and the skirting which shouldn't take that long and the drop behind and the drop behind the desk didn't take the girl at all long at all and was one girl doing it. Hmm. And let the fucking ramp be because all the other stuff, what you can get all the graphics and stuff changed over like that because it's already in the computer. Yeah. So get it changed over and everything there. And then... When you do the matches, do a match, maybe play, do a match, get the back, and then maybe play like uh, a promo. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a promo for it, play a promo and then get the next match out. Yeah. Don't wait. We waited like when Dynamite's off air, uh, if it's if it's during no match segment, it's basically the arena has like l- the lights are down. There's a light in the ring and then Justin Roberts does crowd work. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like during fucking Rampage, which is a tape show. Yeah. And you're just keeping people there too long and people left. And that's why it's not as loud. And that's why it's not as full. And I think that if you would just do them in a row, everybody would have been out of there by 10, 45, 11 o'clock at the latest. Mm-hmm. It would save 30, 45 minutes off and more people would stay, in my opinion. Makes sense to me to do that. It makes sense to me as well. And I can't imagine what's going to go on in New York City because Grand Slam, it's a two-hour dynamite and a two-hour ramp. <laughs> I got to imagine they'll just keep it the same because it's going to be Grand Slam through for both shows. Like, they might just do something there changing the the graphics. Other than that, I just right, I don't see but it. I'm just saying I hope they do something because that's I hope four so hours. Too. And if they start, unless they film an hour of Rampage before and an hour after and not do any dark elevation or anything. But if they stick to the format, it's going to be a long night in New York City. I think it's going to be a long night in New York City. Just, uh, I'm just putting that out there. And my only other takeaway that is weird to me and I don't know why the internet didn't pick up on this is the Jay Cargill promo where all of a sudden uh, somebody comes up and challenges it took me a minute to figure out it was Diamante so for all of you AEW fans who are bitching about the you know Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns at uh, Crown Jewel Mm -hmm. uh, where's your defense for Diamante who hasn't been on TV since December of 2020 or 2021. I can't remember which one it was. I had it written down here. Let me look it up. And and she's getting a shot at the TBS title. And she's bringing help too. From the 305, which I still couldn't figure out. But I don't I don't grasp that. What did it, how is that something? I don't understand that either. Like That was just a, in my opinion, that was just a, a very bad promo because Diamante's been gone so long that the, the casual AEW fans forgot. I looked it up. Dece- uh, last time, D- uh, time Diamante wrestled on AEW TV was December of 2020. 
Yowzer. <laughs> so it's even longer than we thought. Yeah, so whoever she's bringing, I mean, the only person I can guess, Melina. That would be the only one I can, I'm going to make a, a lock and leap about this. I, I'm going to say that's going to be my leap pick. Because otherwise, lock, I, I can't think of anybody from the 305 that's jumping out at me. But I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were trying to sell that Molina was there when she was in WWE. So we'll go with that. But either way, it's still a very thrown-together program for Jade, who's one of your fastest rising stars. Like, why would you not try getting somebody else in there that your AEW fan base recognizes immediately? Because if you have to start Google searching, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to sound as negative as I am, but if you had somebody off TV for how long that she's been off TV, it's not really connecting with people who's fighting Jade. I agree. I, I, I just don't get it. But that that's my only tag. Was other than that, I, I thought it was a great show. I enjoyed myself. I think they do a fucking amazing job over there at a live event. So I would say if AEW comes to town with a dynamite near you, go check it out. Because it was a lot of fun. I just had some things I would change to possibly make some more money. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's talk about the big event coming up. Because next week, like I said, we have a two-hour rampage. And we have a dynamite. And, of course, dynamite is first. And it is Grand Slam time from the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York, you know, where the U.S. Open is played. And, uh, of course, it's a two-hour rampage, so it must be a special. Let's do this. Let's go over what's going down coming up on Dynamite Grand Slam first because, obviously, that is on Wednesday. All right, so first up is the AEW Interim Women's Championship. Uh, So Tony Storm is defending against Serena Deeb versus Athena versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I have no clue why this was made up out of nowhere. I will say that I expect and still. Uh, I'm going to say and still unless this is where somehow Jamie Hayter does something to, to enhance her feud against Britt Baker. So maybe maybe she starts siding with Tony Storm on this one. I don't, know. I, don't know. I mean, for storyline-wise, I don't even know anymore. Just throw it out the window. Right. Next up is the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, we're running it back. Swerve in our glory versus the Acclaimed. If they are not smart enough to put the belts on the acclaimed in New York City, I got nothing for them. I I think the the groundswell for the acclaimed is so high. Let's get the belts on them, put them on them for a couple months, and then let's get FTR their shot finally. Okay, so this one uh, is for the AEW All Atlantic Championship. The bastard Pac and Orange Cassidy. Yes. So I'm expecting and still, but. It was interesting to see Orange Cassidy kind of be like the heel and take out Pac on Rampage. Yeah, I mean, they've been slowly bringing back their feud that they had way back at the starts of uh, AEW. So I do like that throwback. I will admit that. It's a good throwback to year one. I think it's going to be a great match. Very entertaining. Uh, Two fan favorites. I just don't expect Pac to lose the belt there. No, I don't either. And what I'm guessing will be the co-main event, Claudio Casanoli is going to defend the Ring of Honor World Championship against Chris Jericho. Speaking of uh, Rampage with Jericho cutting the Ocho, he wants to be the Ocho champion, and he's never held the Ring of Honor title, so he challenged Claudio. So Claudio and uh, Jericho should be a good match. I think that uh, you better be careful where you put it on the card because it could actually overshine a lot of things considering the fact that if Jericho wrestles like he did last week and we already know Claudio... This could be one of the highlights of the night. Yeah, I think this is going to be a sleeper match. It's weird saying sleeper match, but obviously all eyes are focused on the AEW world title, but the Ring of Honor one, don't sleep on. I'm going to say that right now. And rounding out what has been announced as we are recording uh, for Dynamite, the main event is going to be John Moxley versus Brian Danielson for the AEW world title. And new world champion, no matter what. <laughs> I say. No matter what. I'm going to say Brian Danielson. 
I'm going to say John Moxley, but he's not going to hold it for long because the firm will come in, do a beatdown. MJF gets the belt. I'm going to say this now. If Dynamite Grand Slam ends any way, with the exception of MJF holding that title in the air as champion, not like he stole it, not like he did some head games as champion, I think that that's a gigantic disservice to all elite wrestling. Right now, with all the toxic and toxicity and turmoil, and I know John Moxley's a leader, he's the ace. I've said that time and time again, and I stand by that statement. However, I think with the groundswell and what people want to see is going back to that year one stuff and the people who built this company or the company was built around. I think it's time to put the belt on MJF just so that way the fans can see that we are going with a homegrown, quote-unquote, homegrown talent here. Mm. On top of that, this is how Rampage or whatever should end. Your TNT champion, Wardlow, he's fucking here, folks, because what we should be building towards is a program with MJF and Wardlow for the AEW World's Heavyweight championship and i think those seeds need to be uh stamped down on by friday at the latest i'm not saying that match needs to happen at the next pay-per-view no mjf needs to do the chicken shit heel thing and stretch this out for eight eight to eight months to a year and have wardlow literally chase him and until he can't run anymore and i think that that is what needs to happen because then you are solidly behind i was folks i was there live the pop that Wardlow gets is fucking unreal. Yeah. As he should. He's one of the most exciting parts of their TV show, and he is fucking badass, and the crowd loves it. And him and Joe had a nice little thing at the end of their match that I thought was really cool that the fucking fans ate up. And I want to throw it out there. I think you have to start the chase now. And I'm not saying that he has to win soon. I think that MJF should still have a substantial title run, but it should be based on the chicken shit like, I'm not going to fight you. You have to earn the shot. Oh, you didn't earn it. You haven't earned it. And I'm not talking about the stupid trials. I'm just talking about make him chase you like a chicken shit heel. And that would give you a good title run where MJF can talk all the good game. And then finally, Wardlow gets his hands on him and the fucking crowd rejoices with Wardlow becoming champion. Well, I do agree with you. I think that should be the play. I'm, I don't think it's going to happen, but no. I think that's what it should be. No, because I'm fearing we're going to have trials before that happens. And I, think the, <laughs> I, 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 I truly do. I think he's going to go through the firm first. Then he'll get a mystery opponent, and then he'll get MJF at Revolution. So I'm going to say that's that's how soon they're going to run this. I don't think that that's – I think they should do it longer. The, oh, the, I The people agree. who do long-term booking – booking, I said that wrong, but they should definitely run this probably until all out next year. And you could get a good cat and mouse between Wardlow and MJF while having a great long title run by a hell of a heel while you're getting chased by the biggest baby face in wrestling, in my opinion. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying if I'm guessing how AEW is probably going to perceive things, I, th I fear they're going to do that. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully. So let's go to Rampage. Now, Rampage just had a bunch of matches added, so we're going off the press release we got from AEW. So let's start off with the first one that is on tap, and that is coming out of this past week's Rampage. Wardlow is actually going to be teaming up with Samoa Joe to take on Tony East and Josh Woods. By the way, they kind of set that up at the end of that match, and I really liked it with Wardlow with the save, and then there's a little stare down before they had a little clang of the belts and a smile, so that's good shit. Yes. Or as Vince would say, such good shit, pal. Next up is a no disqualifications match with Sting and Darby Allen taking on the House of Black, Buddy Murphy and or Buddy Matthews rather. I'm sorry, and Brody King. Not a fan, but it'll be all right. 
Next up is going to be a great match. Uh, not really a lot of storyline buildup, except there was an open challenge that Jungle Boy threw out, and Ray Phoenix is stepping up to the plate, so it's going to be Phoenix against Jungle Boy. It's weird to have an open challenge not going against somebody who was we're teasing with Luchasaurus, but okay. Yeah, that's just how it got thrown together. Uh, then we have another grudge match that I think is going to be absolutely uh, on point, and that's Powerhouse Hobbs against Ricky Starks one more time. You know, what can you say about Ricky Starks? Hey, I liked it, and the crowd was loving him in Albany when he came out uh, to confront Powerhouse Hobbs. Yes, and we already mentioned Jade Cargill is going to be taking on Diamante. Uh, we're not sure exactly who is coming with Diamante to ringside, but I, like I said, my guess is Molina. That's a good guess. I have zero fucking clue. I don't know. And then we've talked in the past about shoots working into works. Well, we are getting Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara. Well, hopefully it stays as a work, because if shit gets serious, it's not going to be good. For everybody who thinks a real fight is fun to watch, believe it or not, it's not. They're go on TV, or YouTube, I should say, I said TV, and look up when wrestling matches turn to shoots. It's never good. It definitely is not. Then they also have a Grand Slam Golden Ticket Battle Royal. And there's only four combatants that are listed in the graphic that I'm showing Rich. Lance Archer, Jay Lethal, Penta, and Hangman Adam Page. I'm assuming they're going to add more to that, and I'm assuming the golden ticket is going to be some kind of title shot of some sort. That would be my guess, too. And rounding out the matches that have been announced thus far, Action Bronson is teaming up with Hook to take on Matt Menard and Angelo Parker from the JAS. I'm all for this Action Bronson match. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of 2.0. But I am a big fan of Action Bronson and Hook, so I, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that one. I am definitely in. I'm so in for that one. All right, that is going to do it for our uh, preview of this upcoming uh, Dynamite and Rampage Grand Slam. But there is some news that is looming. Are you ready to talk about this? Yeah, we have to. So let's do it. And this once again is something that uh, it's 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 a big. It could be a big problem. It's something we're trying to warn people about now, so in case it happens, the shock is not going to be as severe. So this is coming from an article from The Hollywood Reporter, which the article is entitled, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery Has Bigger Problems Than Its DC Search. And it was written by Kim Masters, giving all credit out. And it's going to sound weird because I'm going to pick this up about halfway down because I don't need to talk about them looking for a head of DC. Mm -hmm. The important part that's going to be important for wrestling, by the way, is that AEW has a contract with Warner Brothers Discovery. Right. And so far, so good. They had, Nothing's happened here. But this could be a big hiccup for them because here is where it starts up. It says, all these issues, meaning DC, pale next to the biggest question hovering over any top job at WBD. How long will this gig last? The company is grappling with that heavy debt load and skeptical investors. One former Zaslav exec recently received a letter from a due diligence firm on behalf of an unspecified client asking for his evaluation of Zaslav's leadership style, strategic plans, and likelihood of success that could suggest various possibilities, a potential acquirer, digging around, a dissident shareholder sniffing for weakness, a hedge fund trying to place a bet. So much uncertainty. Given the company's daunting challenges, it has become accepted wisdom at the highest levels of the industry that another deal waits in the wings for Warner Brothers Discovery. For reasons related to the complicated structure of that merger, no negotiations can happen until April of 2024. 
But at that point, many industry observers believe that Comcast's Brian Roberts will make a long-awaited move looking to combine NBC Universal and Warner Brothers Discovery. That deal would face some interesting antitrust issues, but would give his company scale and a viable streaming service. Obviously, Peacock sucks, in quotations, says one exec with knowledge of both companies. There are some good synergies, I'm sure. Roberts is licking his chops because the WBD stock is so low, and I think that Zaslov's Endgame get the place sold. Roberts mm. and NBCU... Uh, CEO Jeff Shell met with Zaslov and board member John Malone during the Allen & Co. gathering in Sun Valley last July, but given the rules against plotting any combination, that was no doubt just a friendly get-together, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. A WBD spokesperson responds, we are building Warner Brothers Discovery for the long term uh, to fire back at it. So there is a possibility that... Comcast, who owns NBC Universal, is going to try to acquire WBD. It cannot happen because of reasons, as you told, until April 2024. The problem is, is they're hemorrhaging when they bought W when when Discovery bought WB. WB had hemorrhaged money and was in a significant amount of billions of dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it before. Yeah, which means that they are trying to come and cut the debt because they obviously spent money. And on top of that, they need to get close to uh, you know making money again. When you're in debt, you're not making money, as everybody knows in business. So I think that where there's smoke, there's fire here because as it gets close to 2024, are they going to be closer to not being in debt or are they going to be further from not being in debt? And what this means for All Elite Wrestling is if they sign a new deal with WBD, and then all of a sudden Comcast buys WBD and Comcast has a deal is is owns NBC Universal, which owns the Peacock, which owns the rights for the streaming for World Wrestling Entertainment. Also, NBC Universal says that they're going to be very, very aggressive in bringing all WWE products back under their umbrella because, of course, USA is an NBC Universal company. Mm -hmm. However, currently... WWE is on Fox for Friday Night SmackDown. Some believe that NBC is going to open the Golden Grail and offer WWE 8 to 10 on Friday nights on NBC wow. as part of a massive billions, multi-billion dollar deal so that WWE will be all in the house of NBC Universal, which they have the money for. Mm. <laughs> Just want to throw it out there. So here's the thing. If they do that and make that deal happen, which will be happening this year, because mm -hmm. the WWE deals are up, I do believe, at the end of the year or no, the beginning of next year. It's, uh, I think it's I think it's January. Is it January or February? I know it's, it's a weird month because of how TV works. Yeah. So either way, WWE's contracts are going to be up. And they, they, the, you know, everybody, the suitors are lining up. We've already talked about this. It's true. They mm -hmm. are. If NBC Universal gives them the golden push and let's say offers them, you know, for you know, right now, both their deals, the one with USA and the one with Fox, are both over a billion dollars apiece. So they're looking to be in the neighborhood for each product, probably at a billion and a half to two billion. So if NBC throws that Hail Mary and says, Hey, we'll give you Friday Night SmackDown, can have an 8 to 10 p.m. because I know you want a network on NBC, and USA will still be the home of Raw, we're all under the same umbrella, and we'll give you five billion dollars for both. Yeah. Like not each, but five billion combined. WWE is going to sign that. Let's oh, be honest. A heartbeat. 
Although it depends on what else, because we heard that Disney's involved and they're offering ESPN and ABC allegedly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a wild time right now. So when that contract gets done, there's going to be a lot of answers, but even more questions coming. Holy shit. But the problem with with that is that let's say that WBD re-signs AEW, which because their deal is up, I do believe, in March or April. Uh, if I'm if I was reading because they're in the six month mark soon next month I think it's, they're in the six it's month mark. something with that because they did the re up um, right, right. not too long ago so like the time got extended a XYZ. little bit yeah, yeah so yeah. we're talking about six months they they were talking about the six month push in October or yeah September yeah October October is the six month push for their new deal so that would put us March or April give take and so they're gonna need a new deal so if WBD signs them but then Comcast buys WBD in 2024, what does that mean if WWE then goes, hey, uh, we know this to be true. In WWE's contracts with these companies, they say that there's a no-compete clause. Right. The companies aren't allowed to put on any other wrestling product besides WWE products that are on their scene. So right now, Fox can't put on another wrestling show. USA, so Universal, can't put on another wrestling show. That is something that's in the contract. It's spawned by WCW. Because mm. WCW, if, if you guys don't know, back in the day, tried to put a, a, a Saturday night show, like a Saturday night's main event, on NBC. Yeah. Behind WWE's back. And when WWE found out about this, since then they've put in their contracts specifically. And that's one of the reasons why when they put w, uh, WWE put uh, WCW out of business, they left for TNN. It was the fuck you to NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, fuck you. You want to fuck with us? We'll fuck with you. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, right? Comes full circle. And then when they were signed back on their contract since, including the reason why ECW got kicked off of TNN is when WWE was coming over, they were like, well, you have to get rid of them because no compete clause. Right. So if they own it, that would be a no compete clause situation, which would be real bad for AEW. It's going to be scary times, to be honest with you, that depending on how the WWE deal goes. AEW can be without a television network, so you might have to almost, in a sense, start looking at doing like a Fight TV, um, NWA programming type deal. I don't think that. I think what you need to do is be smart and see and not keep your eyes closed. It looks like there's, for some reason, Tony Khan has this love affair with all things the past. And I think that's why he loves that he has the TNT and TBS titles and the rich traditions of 605 and the WCW days and all that shit. I think he has to let that go for business and go, we might want to like shear up a future home. Mm. So even if we re-sign with WBD, let's also keep things open with a, with a Disney, with you know CBS that we could probably end up on one of their channels just in case because if we get kicked off the air, we're going to have to sign another TV deal quickly. Yeah. And I think that's what they have to do. That's just my personal belief and opinion. I don't think that I think they're too big of a company, believe it or not, for, for people who don't think I think that, they're too big of a company to just to be like, well, we'll just go on to fucking IT pay per views. I don't think that's the way to go. I think it's really like, hey, let's, well, we're negotiating. And if we want to stay with WBD, that's fine. But while we're negotiating, let's make sure we get built some bridges with some of these other places in case we have a backdoor. That's fair. I think that's fair because obviously, if Universal ends up with all that shit, uh, from WWE, that means there's other suitors that were looking for wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be the smart move to do. But it's definitely something that people need to keep their eyes on, especially not just for AEW. This is big news across the board, but AEW is definitely affected by it. Yes. Well, with that being said, Ken M, I wanted to end on uh, a happier note. 
And that happier note is Tony Khan had a very weird tweet. Oh, jeez. And I think this is a fun one to go over. So uh, Tony Khan had tweeted out on uh, September the 16th at 1.44 p.m. Right now, numbers say wrestling is hot. Many of us lived through a prior wrestling boom or booms and know uh, some telltale signs. Have you had friends ask you about wrestling lately, looking to catch up? Have you gotten questions about wrestling from people who never asked? Question mark. And I can tell you, Tony, what the, once again. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Because I don't think you're right on this. Uh, Ken, let me ask you. Let me ask you these questions. Okay. So let me start with this. Have you had friends ask you about wrestling lately, looking to catch up? So that would mean friends who are not normally known as wrestling fans. A few. Okay. And a few. So three. Tops. Uh, five, five. Five tops. Five, five, five okay. tops. Have you gotten questions about wrestling from people who never asked you before? Um. One. One. And you talk to a lot of people. Yeah. You probably talk to more people than I do by far. Yeah. Between no. the internet and in real life. One stands out. Okay. But other than that, no. I mean, I really haven't had a lot going on because uh, I guess I have to say the, the one was trying to figure out why I was going to a media scrum on my lunch break. Okay. So that wasn't really about wrestling. That was more about what you were doing. Right. It was more about what I was doing, but I did have actually one ask me about that. So yes. So the answer is one. Okay, so one and five. So for you, who I would say talks to more people between the internet and in real life than the average person. Yes. Has got five and one, so six. Mm -hmm. We'll combine them, six. So that means if the average, if you have six, the average person might have three combined. Yeah. Be fair. That's fair. I don't think that's a lot. I really don't think that's a lot. And I also want to point out the numbers during the Monday Night Wars. And I understand Nielsen's is a little more whatever, but they're still solid because, hey, things like The uh, Walking Dead still get, what, 4 million, 5 million views? The NFL does very well. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. But during, so, I mean, yes, it'll drop a little bit because of streaming services and such. We know this. And that's why we don't bank a lot on ratings. But it is to point out this, in, in the Monday Night Wars, when wrestling was its hottest, 10 million households a week were tuning into wrestling on a minimum. Mm-hmm. Right now, we've added it up. And, and mind you, that was just Monday night, 10 million between Raw and Nitro. Right. And we added it up not that long ago, and I do believe we came up with 6 million mm-hmm. was the number counting Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW. Correct. It's 6 to 7 million. Mm-hmm. And that was being generous. I mean, think about two for Raw, two for SmackDown, so that's 4 million, uh, 700,000 for. Uh, we'll round up for NXT. Dynamite. So we'll, we'll 700,000 for NXT, and Dynamite's at a million. Right. So even if you round NXT up to a million, that's only six million. No, no. I was going to say you combine NXT with Dynamite or not Dynamite Rampage. And that makes a million. Okay, that makes a million there, and then just Dynamite, you give the million. Okay, so there it is. So six million. So you know, six to seven million, depending upon you know what's happening that week. Mm-hmm. But still, six to seven million, and that is the whole week. That is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. That's four nights and six or five shows. Mm-hmm. Two shows did ten million. So where does the number support that? They don't. Like, I can understand that you are feeling, as it, it, like the way I interpret Tony, he's feeling very happy that since the all-out fallout, the shows have been better, ratings were up on Dynamite, which is a huge win to kind of give you a temp in the room. Ironically, it's without your major stars of CM Punk, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. I digress. 
So I think that was trying to spin the narrative of, you know, we're back, wrestling's hot, we're going to focus on this, let's kind of try generating some buzz. But in all honesty, it's not the same as it was. Like, let's be real about this. During the time that pop culture was paying attention to pro wrestling, because like you say, the WWE universe is, there's a pop culture universe. When pop culture dips their head into pro wrestling, it's like once every 10 so odd years. When they dipped in, you were seeing Austin 316 shirts all over the place by play, in places you would never expect. You were seeing the NWO shirts all over the place. You were having The Rock now starting to make his ascension in Hollywood. You were having bigger moments happen. Right now, that's really not the case per se. Like The closest you have, love it or hate it, is Logan Paul and Bad Bunny coming over. I agree. Other, other than that, it's, it's good for the internet... But there's life outside the internet when you unplug the glasses. I agree with you, and I, I like to say something. This is not a shot at Tony. I'm glad no. that he's optimistic. If he if he really believes in optimism, that's fine. It's just I don't see the evidence that supports this. And as me as a wrestling fan, we were at a bar today because mm-hmm. uh, we record we were recording on a Sunday, and we were watching wrestling or wrestling. We were watching football, huh. and we were talking to some people, and we were talking about what we we're going to do. Somebody overheard us talking about the wrestling show. And they knew nothing about pro wrestling, and they were tickled pink when they found out you could bet on wrestling on DraftKings. Yeah. That should tell you exactly that it's not in the mainstream. And this was somebody who was in the age. They knew what wrestling was. They had watched pro wrestling in the past. They didn't continue it on. They talked about WrestleMania 1 a little bit, which was funny. Yeah. And WrestleMania 3 and all that stuff. You know, they talked about old school shit. But they were tickled pink that you could bet on wrestling. So, I mean, if it was that pop culture, these guys wouldn't be fucking so surprised that DraftKings sponsors AEW and WWE, and you can bet on it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's really pop culture right now from wrestling is Roman Reigns, because he's crossed over enough. And John Cena, but... He's already kind of all the way in Hollywood. The same with The Rock. I mean, you have to put in there that they were wrestlers, Yeah, but they're movie stars now. Yeah, so just come back and Brock Lesnar. You got to put in there because he's he was a com he's a combat sports hero. So MMA fans know him, but usually when they talk about him going to wrestling, they talk about how it's a shitty move because wrestling's fucking fake, brother. Yeah, so it's not like they talk about it in the fucking limelight. <laughs> no, it's not. But for what MMA fans aren't tuning in for Ronda or Brock because they don't want to watch wrestling. They want to watch MMA. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be optimistic, and that's why I take from Tony, and I I applaud him that he's always his own biggest Mm. fan for his company. And that's where he should be, being the president. I agree. Sometimes, though, how it comes out to the general public might want to fall back a little bit. But be the big fan, but also realize the temp in the room. Like, you're preaching to your own choir when you're trying to say that wrestling is hot and it's taking over pop culture and all that jazz. To paraphrase, be happy with your product. Focus on making your product better because at the end of the day, once that TV contract comes up, you're going to need to have the best foot forward. You're not going to be tripping over your own shoelaces. Tony, I love you. I love the hospitality you showed me in Albany. I, I love the fact that you have energy. Sometimes I think that it's not as professional as I would like, but I love the fact that you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Stop, sometimes you just got to stop yourself from tweeting. As that's all I'm saying. That's because it just was ridiculous. I know there's a lot of people who can rah rah. It is. It's commendable that you're a fan and you're a fan of your product and you're a cheerleader. And I love all of that. Believe it or not. But sometimes you don't put that on the world because that's where people go. You're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Because sorry, you are. It just is what it is. So Tony, sometimes just think: Should I text this or should I not? And leave it at that. Well, we are going to leave it like that for this episode of 607 TWS. But before we go, Ken M, tell the fine folks one more time how to find yourself in the ODPH 
Podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. You can't miss them. So drop that follow, drop that subscribe, drop a five star review while you're there. Also, check out the T Public Store, the Patreon link, Parlay Points blog section. A blog's count anywhere may or may not come out this week. I don't know, but see, if you follow, you won't miss it when it does. Hmm. And for anything else, it is the ODPH simply found, odphpodcast.com. And you already know, 3fmpodcast.com is other place to go for everything that the 3FM podcast is doing, including the page for 607TWS, including friends of the show like the ODPH. Also, you can find our Patreon link, our T Public link, all of our social media links, which I hope you're following us on all of them. Please do if you're not already. All that musical, you know, the people who provide us with our music, the music directory is there, of course. Give a listen to Floodlands. They provide us with the opening song we do each and every week here, the theme song, if you will, our entrance music, if we're mm-hmm. wrestling, brother. And, of course, our good friend Second Suitor, who provide us with One Winged Angel, which takes us out every week. Make sure you follow them and all the other bands listed in the directory. You will not be disappointed. Of course, huge shout-out to our main sponsor, the people who power everything we have. There's a sponsor list there, but the one that powers everything we do and makes all of this possible, of course, is Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them online, dragonmastergames.com. With that being said, we are coming to an end of another great week of 607TWS. Don't you fret. We will be back next week. We will be talking, you know, the fallout from AEW Dynamite and Rampage Grand Slam. We'll be talking about all the wrestling news and everything else going on in the world of professional wrestling. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later. Wrestling fans!
that she's walking towards me A smile I see Connect from the top ropes One, two, three 